Well, hey, Heights family, man, what a great time of worship that we've just had, and I use this word loosely, together. I mean, we are together here, right? We just worshiped our Lord using the same words, the same tunes. It's it's about the best we can do right now as we gather for worship. You know, I'm I'm reminded as I as I watch the worship with you uh, of of how much I miss singing together. I'm reminded of how many verses there are in the Bible about us singing together. I think people have always sang alone. Uh, I don't know; they've always sang in their cars alone, but cer- certainly today we do. But uh, boy, the Bible really emphasizes that along with all that worshiping we might do alone, how important it is that we gather. And I'm I'm really missing gathering with you and and getting to hear your voices and and us all singing together. Uh, I'm hoping that day is coming soon. You know, we thought we might have some fun in in light of the fact that it really is starting to look like it's going to be quite a few Sundays before we gather again, uh, that, that we would have a chance to share with each other how, how we're worshiping together. And uh, so get a picture Get, get a picture of you in front of your screen or TV or a, a picture of your family and uh, then put it on social media and hashtag it, the heights at home, the heights at home, all spelled out and uh, put that on social media with that hashtag. And then we're going to have a way of of seeing all of us together in our different environments. We're going to have some fun with this. I think I'll be telling you a little bit more about that later. But but go ahead and get the get the picture right now. It's the only time you can get up during the pastor's sermon, okay? Uh, but, but get up and, and get that picture. Hashtag it on social media, the heights at home. And uh, also, as we look into this coming week, since I'm in kind of an announcement mode right now, uh, one to let you know, this Thursday night, of course, this is Easter week coming up. Next Sunday is Easter. Uh, this Thursday night, we thought we might provide an opportunity to celebrate in the Lord's Supper together. And I know in the evenings, we're, we're getting kids to bed, we're doing different things. I really am looking at this to be about 15 or 20 minutes, but just a moment for us to pause as we enter Easter weekend and on that Thursday evening, do what Jesus and the disciples did, and that, that's pause and celebrate in the Lord's Supper. I, it's going to be a short time, 15, 20 minutes, but I think it can be a really meaningful time. I hope you can join us uh, for that this Thursday night. And uh, of course, then Easter Sunday, next Sunday. I remember way back when thinking, surely by Easter we'll be gathering. And uh, it, it it is looking like it's going to be quite a few uh, Sundays before we're going to have that opportunity. And I'm trusting I know you're seeking to trust the Lord, that he's got his purposes and what he's doing in our world, what he's doing in our state, our commonwealth, what he's doing in each of our, what he's doing in each of our lives. And uh, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm waking up and saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. But you know what? Faith takes energy. Faith, belief, trust, it, it, it'll wear you out. And uh, I think as this is now really, we know it's not only been going on, but we're in for kind of a long haul here. That in itself is wearisome. I just, I think we need to pause right now for a moment and just cry out to the Lord for his mercy. Would you, would you join me in doing that right now? Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in this moment and ask that you would hear our prayers. And when I say our prayers, Lord, I'm talking about all of us 
in this moment right here. I'm talking about all of the churches online, around this country, around this world, and all the prayers that have been offered up to you. Lord, would you hear those prayers in your mercy? Matthew, or excuse me, Micah 7.18, you, you tell us that you delight to show mercy. Lord, would you delight to show mercy to our world, to, to, to our commonwealth? Would you delight to show mercy to each of us, Lord? Right now in this moment, I, I want to pray for those, Lord, who, who have experienced the sickness, the virus. I want to pray for your mercy for them. Would you give them health? Would you give them comfort? Would you give them peace? Help them recover from this, Lord. Father, I pray your mercy. I pray you would delight to show mercy to those homes that have experienced a death during this time. And not, not just a death from the virus, Lord, but, but any kind of death. I, I know we've had several in our church family uh, that have had a death in just the last seven to ten days. And, and there's, boy, there's a sense of, of aloneness in going through that and the, the, the limitations on, on having a service, on having a gathering. And that's such an, an important part of our grief and our working through this. Lord, I pray your mercy in those homes. Lord, I, I pray your mercy for those for whom this is becoming a, a financial burden. I, I pray your protection. I pray your provision into their lives. Show them mercy, Lord. Father, we, we're hearing a lot about mental health. Lord, I pray for the mental health of all of us. We're, we're living right now in a way that we're, we're really not designed, we're not equipped to live. God, we need your mercy. Would you restore, would you rejuvenate? God, would you give fresh life to each of us as we, as we walk through this time? Give us that faith to hold on to you, Lord so that each and every day we can genuinely rise up and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, it's in your name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for, for praying with me. You know, I've been watching a lot of services. On, I think it's actually kind of awkward watching somebody pray for a long time online. But uh, gosh, it's just, I, I think all of our hearts are becoming heavy for others, heavy for ourselves. And let's just, let's just keep crying out for God's mercy on all of us. Uh, during this time. Well, today I want to continue our, our, our short series moving up to Easter. And uh, in this Easter season, we're looking at how Christ's love fought for us, how it battled for us, and, and understanding just how expansive that battle was, what all was involved in that battle. In other words, what Jesus was fighting for you and for me. Last week, we looked at the people, the forces trying to keep Jesus from the cross. My guess is last week was a little bit of a new idea for some of us, maybe something we hadn't quite seen before. We saw an enemy, Satan, we saw a friend in Peter, and you'd have to go back and listen to the context of the message to understand this, but even Jesus' own human nature fighting in, in keeping him from the cross. And so that was an aspect of the battle that Jesus fought for us, and, and it was a, an aspect of how he loved you and me. Now today, different from last week, we're going to look at people, at forces that took Jesus to the cross, that, that were nailing him, if you will, to the cross. And, and the people, the, the groups I'm talking about today, you, you would anticipate. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look at four 
Can you guess what four people, what four groups of people I'm getting ready to call out? I, I, I bet you can get two or three right away. And uh, so we're going to look at that. We know the people. We know what they were doing. You know, maybe a way to uh, kind of prepare ourselves mentally and even emotionally for what Jesus felt like as we look at these different groups today. Have, have you ever had somebody in your life Maybe it wasn't even a somebody. Maybe it was a whole environment that you were in that wanted your failure. I I mean, they just, they seemed to attack you. They seemed to be against you. They wanted to keep others from from accepting you or appreciating you. Gosh, I hope many of us have not felt that. My my fear is probably many of us have experienced that. I, I think some of us might say, yeah, eighth grade. Uh, maybe you've had like a a boss or or a coach, you know, somebody you were kind of depending upon to advance you and and they were the very one trying to hurt you or or keep you from advancing. That is an awful feeling. And and I hope for you, it it was only just a moment, a season, a, a particular place in life. Folks, that's how Jesus lived life. And it wasn't one boss or one group or eighth grade. It, it, it was his ongoing life. As people worked to hurt, to destroy, to end, to frustrate who he was and and what he was doing. And he battled that. He battled that. He endured that for you and for me. So four groups. Let's get going on them here. Let's get started. Four groups. And, you know, as I say four groups, you're not going to be surprised by anybody I'm about to call out. But the first three, they're just characters in the story, honestly. I mean, they play their role, they play their part, but what the scripture really communicates is it's, it's that fourth one. It's that fourth one that really is responsible for taking him to the cross. So four, four groups. First group, no surprise here, all the way through the gospel stories, they are seen as the antagonist, and that's the Pharisees. The Pharisees, you, you see the verse there in Matthew chapter 12, and honestly, that verse is representative of many other verses just like that, many other times when that's how the Pharisees acted in, in Jesus' life. But you, you see what that verse says. It says they, they went out and together they conspired, they plotted, they were working at, at how they destroy Jesus. Boy, you kind of stopped got to stop and ask yourself, what had Jesus done to them that, that he, they're planning his destruction? Well, that's kind of the odd thing. What he had just done to them, I mean, like in that moment that that verse was written, what they had just done to him, uh, what he had done was heal a man. He'd heal a man. He said, well, you don't, you don't destroy somebody for healing somebody, do you? Well, he had healed somebody on the Sabbath. And that broke, well, I want to say that broke their rules. But the Sabbath isn't their rules. The Sabbath is God's rule. God God had a rule. God had a command for you, for me, that we honor, that we respect the Sabbath day, that we keep it holy, that we rest. Now, as you get a command like that, you got to say, okay, well, what does that mean? What do I do? What do I not do? What What's involved in that? You know, let me, let me, Look at it this way. There's a couple of ways or a couple of kinds of commands in Scripture. You got commands that are very direct, very clear. It doesn't take any explanation. doesn't even take a whole lot of what ifs. Uh, I think of like, thou shalt not lie. I mean, that's 
Don't lie. <laughs> I mean, there's not much more to explain. I, I don't have to run through, well, what does that mean here? Or what does that mean? It means don't lie. But then you got another command, like uh, I think of in Romans 12, that says, do not be conformed to the world. Okay, now that one takes a little development. What all does that mean I'm going to do or not do so that I'm not conformed to the world? So what I'll do, as I, I hope a, a good Christian, as somebody walking in the Spirit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to understand what I should be doing or not doing so that I'm not con- conforming to the world. And by the very nature of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of come up with a list. Maybe it's just a list in my mind. Maybe I have it on paper. You know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do a lot of this, like, like Bible reading. So I'm going to have a list here. Okay, now that's very natural, that's very normal. Now what we sometimes have a tendency to do, as a matter of fact, I think this is what Jesus fought a lot, is in religion we can take that list and that list, excuse me, that list becomes bigger than God. That list becomes bigger than what God actually said. And I'll now use this list not just to structure my life, but I'll use it to judge you. I'll, I'll hold this list. Hey, this is, you're, you're conforming to the world because you're not keeping my list. Of course, I don't call it my list. I call it God's list. You see, that's what, that's what religion can sometimes do. It can slip into being something that helps me know and serve God into almost becoming something that helps me serve the God of my making. I'll, I'll determine who God is. I'll determine what he wants. I'll determine right or wrong. And usually what that means is, and that's what I'll hold against you. Well, that's what the Pharisees had done. They had this command about honoring the Sabbath. They had 600, over 600 rules of what you could do or not do on the Sabbath to keep it holy, to honor it. And Jesus tried to say, guys, your your rules have become burdensome. Yes, God gave a command about honoring the Sabbath, but that was for you. That was for your good. That command is a gift. It's not meant to be a burden. It's not something meant to, to weigh you down. And, and they, listen, they didn't want to hear anything about it. They, they didn't want to hear anything about it. Why? Because their rules had become bigger than God and, and bigger than God's word. So much bigger that when their God was standing right in front of them, they conspired to destroy him. I, th- I think really what the Pharisees show us, and, and we all can deal with this, is a God of our own making. Jesus was fighting a God of our own making. The second group, second group we see is the, is the crowds. Remember when Pontius Pilate brings Jesus out to the crowds, he, he's going to present him there and present Jesus there and and the crowds were already chanting and yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and Pontius responds, what, what has he done? What, what evil has he done? What's the crime you're charging him with? And they, they don't answer the question. They just, crucify him, crucify him, just keep him. What had Jesus done to the crowds? Well, that, that, you know, this doesn't make any more sense than what Jesus had done to, to, the, to the Pharisees. Now, again, as you read through the gospel stories, you do see an adversarial role, an antagonistic role between Jesus and the Pharisees. But you don't see that with Jesus and the crowds. I mean, there's one or two places where some crowds react negatively against him. But, but by and large, folks, the, the crowds flocked to Jesus because he fed them. 
He showed compassion on them. He taught them. He loved them. He, people felt loved when they were around Jesus. Uh, I, I mean, Jesus was always doing good. He always had time for the crowds. And yet now they're, they're yelling, crucify him. Why? What sense does that make? You know what? I think I'm understanding that it doesn't need to make any sense at all. I think I'm understanding that now more than ever before. Where, where, where the Pharisees were showing us a God of our own making. I think what the crowds are showing us is the God of culture. And boy, when the culture speaks, when the crowds speak, the crowd responds. The crowd obeys, maybe not even understanding why. I mean, folks, think of what we've seen in America. I mean, this is the God of America, the God of, of culture. What we've seen happen in just a, a matter of so few years. Man, the culture is speaking. They're saying what is right and what is wrong. They can change things. And, and we don't know why. We can't explain what change. All we know now is this is what I, is right and this is what is wrong and this is what I believe and this is what I don't believe. Can I explain any of it? No. But it's what the crowd says. Man, that, that, you see, the crowd becomes the crowd because we're, we're more afraid of the crowd. We fear the crowd more than we fear God. In other words, it's now it's the crowd. It's culture that has our, has our respect, has our fear. We don't want to go against culture. Don't, don't want to go against what's going on out there. And, and all of a sudden, we're, we're doing and saying and being things that we, we can't even explain why. I, I mean, that's exactly what's happening here with, with Jesus. This is a crowd that days earlier, I mean, today's Palm Sunday. Jesus came into, into Jerusalem. They're waving palms. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I don't know that everybody saying that was then days later. But, I mean, it's the crowd. The crowd was praising him. Now, days later, the proud is the crowd is calling for his crucifixion. The, the, the God of culture, Jesus had to fight that God. And, and then our, our, our third one is the, is the crowd of, or the, the Roman government, the government of Rome. It was, it was Rome that, that tried Jesus. It was Rome that, that nailed Jesus to the cross. I mean, it was, it was the government headquarters that, that had the trial. It was Roman soldiers that came and got him and beat him and mocked him and, and ultimately crucified him. You know, government doesn't like competitors. Government doesn't like anybody being loyal to anything out there but, but them. And they, they work for that loyalty. They work for that authority. Now, that's a pretty broad statement. That means many different things to human history. That, that means different things to people based on the government they, they live under, the nation they live under, where they, they live, all of those. But I would imagine on some level, most people have experienced what they might consider an oppressive moment by government. I've, I have felt under the thumb of, of government. Well, boy, Jesus knows what that feels like. As a matter of fact, here you've got, you've got Pontius Pilate executing him. And, and clearly in this story, Pontius doesn't seem to find anything wrong with Jesus. But I think he's a little afraid, hey, if it gets back to Caesar, because Caesar's God. That's, that's the head of the government. If it gets back to, to Caesar, that there's a competitor out here to him, and I didn't do anything about it, he was ready and willing to execute who he knew was innocent because he wasn't going up against government. 
wasn't wasn't going to go up against government. Again, means a lot of things to different people, but Jesus certainly knows what it means to be oppressed by government. So we have we have the the God of government, the God of culture, the the God of our own making, and and, and Jesus is is dealing with their hatred, their competitiveness, their jealousy. I mean, I know some of you, some of us, we have dealt with others at a time, their competitiveness, their jealousy, their hatred. We know the battle. We know the emotions, the rage that 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 can cause. That's what Jesus is under day in and day out as he comes up against the fourth group. And the fourth group isn't a group. The the fourth one is you. It's you. You took Jesus to the cross. And when I say you, yes, I'm talking about you out there in on, on the online world. I'm I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you, that person in the Roman government, you that that person in the crowds, you that person among the the Pharisees. It's you, it's the individuals of this world, and it and it and it's you, it's our sins that took Jesus to the cross. Colossians two fourteen says that there is a record of debt against us. I I doubt many of us have ever really thought about it that way or that way. Wait a minute. Is this real? Is this like a, a poetical? No, there's, there is a, a record of debt. My guess is that neither you nor I have a fraction of awareness of what is on that record. Oh, I mean, I know, I know some things I've done wrong in life, some big things. That's what stands out, right? And, and I know there's things I should have done and, and didn't. You, you do too. And so I know some things that would be on that list. But, but, but folks, I don't, I don't think we often have a clue of our offensiveness, of our rebellion against God, against holiness. And this record of debt has all of that. And what, what does Colossians 2.14 say there? That's what nailed Jesus to the cross. That's what took him to the cross. Now, now think about that. We, we, it's easy for us to maybe think about Jesus fighting the government there, deal, dealing with the attacks of the crowd or the Pharisees. But you know, as the gospel stories end, Jesus is crucified, he is resurrected, and we open in Acts chapter 1. Almost never again do you see the rest of the New Testament referring to the Romans, to the Pharisees, to the crowds, as the one who killed Jesus. What you do see the rest of the New Testament communicate over and over and over and over and over is that it was you. It was your sins and it was my sins. Now, folks, think about this. I've said this now for two weeks. Jesus' love fought for us. But the us that he's fighting for is you. It's me. We can't picture ourselves, you know, over here in a corner. We're sitting there innocent and helpless waiting for Jesus to come rescue us. No, we're the, we're the great enemy fighting him. It's, it's our sins. What did we just say a moment ago? It's my sins that rejected him. My sins that mocked him. My sins that conspired to put him on the cross, as Jesus' love is fighting for me, I'm fighting him. Boy, that almost brings a whole new meaning to Romans 5.8. In that while we were sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in that Christ died. While we were fighting him, Jesus was fighting to show us love. You know, I, I know a lot of us watching online today, man, we, we, 
we love Christ. I, I, I love Jesus. I, I don't want my sins to continue doing that. I, I want to repent of my sins. I want to put my sins down. I want to rightly love Jesus. Well, I think the way we rightly love Jesus is to love him the way he loved us. Think about what we've seen these last two weeks. We've seen a love in Jesus that is very clear. It's very constant. It's very consistent. It's very concrete. It's not just a a feeling or, or a statement. And so if that's the love Jesus is showing me, then I should want to have a love for him that's clear. It's consistent. It's constant. It's concrete. I, I mean, it, is it really love if I say, hey, how does your love fight for Jesus? If I go, uh, well, you know, I, uh, I, try, I try to go to church and try not to cuss. And, you know, and, I, I, uh, and if, I'm, if I'm fumbling around, is that, really, is that the kind of love Jesus showed us? He kind of fumbled around with a couple of ideas. No, over and over, day in and day out, he, he fought for us in clear, consistent, constant ways, very concrete ways. So, man, I should want to have a list. Here's how I'm going to love the Lord. Man, I'm going to fight to love him with worship. I'm going to fight my nature, my nature to sleep in, my nature to be lazy, my nature to do nothing. No, I'm going to work at having a daily time of worship in his word and in prayer. I'm going to work. I'm going to fight. Folks, that word fight just means effort. I'm going to give effort into making worship with God's people happen each week. You see what I mean by that word fight? Man, I'm going to, I'm going to fight to worship, I'm going to fight to obey, and, and be as specific as you can. What are the ways you want to love the Lord? Now, because of our nature, I got, I got to be careful with a list like this. Because you know what I'll do? I'll take this list and make it a bunch of rules that you should be following. And I just use to tell myself I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. You know what, folks? This list of ways I want to love the Lord, this list doesn't make me righteous. As a matter of fact, let's be real clear here. I believe with all my heart, I will one day stand before the living God absolutely righteous. But it is because of Jesus' love for me that I have that opportunity. Not my love for Jesus that created that opportunity. So I, uh, my righteousness is in Christ and in his love. But I do want to respond rightly with love. And boy, folks, I, th- I think when I look at how Jesus loved me, I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear in how I'm loving him. I want there to be consistency in that. I want there to be very concrete ways and actions in my heart, my mind, my life, my hands being lived out. How am I fighting to love the Lord? Boy, I hope that's something you're thinking and praying about, discussing with others, encouraging each other all together. Man, we're going to have a love that fights for Jesus, just like he fought for us. Let's pray. Boy, Lord, I think of that, that very fickle crowd that, that, that on one day would praise you and say Hosanna to you and literally days later would say crucify him. Lord, I don't want my love to be fickle. I don't want it to be real big in some moments when I'm with this group of people, but in other moments I'm, I'm conspiring to destroy you. Lord, I don't want a fickle love. I, I want to love you like, like you loved me. And I thank you that as I step out to do that, I already have your mercy and your forgiveness. I thank you that as I step out to do that, you've sent the Holy Spirit to help me. 
So Lord, I pray I would work. I I pray I would work at a list. We would work at a list of knowing how we're going to clearly, consistently, constantly, concretely love you because you are worthy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, again, thank you for joining with us today. And remember, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. Next Sunday, our Easter services, we're going to have a Saturday at 5 o'clock, then Sunday morning, 9.15 and and 10.45. It takes a little bit more creativity to think about how we reach out when we're not allowed to be near anybody, but be thinking about people you can invite to join us online. Folks, remember, we're living in a bad news world, and we carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be praying, thinking about how we share, how we invite people out in our community and our world to be a part this week. Love you guys. Have a great week.